Yo, not gonna lie, this sound gets me hard as a fucking rock. Yo! I'm afraid so, Brad. But isn't it nice? I'm very shallow and empty, and I have no ideas and nothing interesting to say. And I'm exactly the same way. If I had a steak, I would fuck it. But that steak, Sammy, it reflects because of a latency period. Hello, you're listening to Everybody Wants to Love You. I'm Gareth. And I'm Nicole. And this is a podcast about sex, love, and all the things that get left unsaid. Our theme tune is by Patrick Carolyn, and he's such a mate. Uh, we love him. <laughs> such a bloke. Such, such a lad. He deserves a shout out uh, in each episode. <laughs> and as always, if you want to get in touch with us, reach out to us at Everybody Wants to Love Pod at gmail.com or you can check out our Instagram loveyoupod on Instagram and you'll find links to subscribe to the podcast I mean obviously you're listening to it so you don't need that but other things are there too do feel free to review us on iTunes or Spotify um, we've had a couple of like numbered reviews but if instead of sending the nice things that you send to us you send them to the universe yeah. through iTunes then more people will get to endure our words Indeed, and our washing machine agrees with us. <laughs> it does indeed. It has something to say. As have you, apparently, because we asked a question on the Instagram and you got back to us. So we asked about your sex education and uh, what did what did the listeners have to say, Nicole? Okay, so I'm going to um, apply personalities uh, to the responses. So if they're not accurate and you're listening, you know, whatever. Okay, so the first one is, if you knock her up, you're kicked out. There was nothing about consent, mechanics, protection, anything. I mean, I guess that's a da, right? That's a da's response. Or, or it could be her dad's response. If you knock up my daughter. No, like he couldn't kick you out of your own house unless he teamed up with your dad. Maybe they have the same dad. Oh, maybe. Maybe this is a double couple situation. Oh, it's a brother and sister who are also <laughs> deeply in love. You knock up your sister. I don't care what you do, but if you knock up your sister... We can't afford to feed an extra mouth. <laughs> we already got 18 kids here. I ain't raising another kid that's my kid's kid. It's not going to happen. You sound like, oh, you sound like Sling Blade. What do you think of the tactic of kicking out your children if you if you knock someone? I mean, it's, it's the only way to teach them, isn't it? I mean, honestly, a lifetime of, uh, of homelessness, drug addiction, and uh, just life on the streets, that will teach them to lead a sexually... Uh, Per, what's the opposite of permissive? Uh, sexually abstemious life. Absolutely. Everybody knows homeless people don't have sex. No. Especially gutter punk teenagers. They hate sex and they drugs. They absolutely hate it. <laughs> no, obviously it's evil. I mean, there, there's that. There's a whole thing, isn't there? Um, you see it in, in um, de- deprived communities, I would say, uh, where it's like, you know, if my child does that. They're out in the street. And, well, yeah, okay, I understand your frustration with your, with your misbehaving teen, but you're kind of destroying them for life by doing that. So that's really, that's on you at that point. You gotta, you gotta teach the children love. You gotta teach the children love. So the next one is some parents blocked ours back in the 90s. So a few of us pooled money together to buy a guidebook. I like the idea of a guidebook. It's like like an adventure. <laughs> Turn like a, left at the vagina. Yeah, it's like a goonie sort of like treasure map. <laughs> if you dig deep enough under the nipple, you may find. What was the treasure in Goonies? It was like somebody's rooster's gold or something. I don't know. I'm not an old person. I don't know this uh, shit. I don't know. You're hitting 26 now. Whatever. Stop. I'm not an old person, I swear. Um, yeah, no, that's so sweet, though, isn't it? I mean, all these kids get together. It's sort of like an episode of My So-Called Life or something, where the kids come together yeah. to produce the band magazine. Apologies for our washing machine. Dear God, that's loud. It's really loud. It, listen, it's a Sunday afternoon. you got to do your laundry. Somebody's got a hangover downstairs, and we got to make their life miserable. That's exactly. just how this works. <laughs> it's actually, you know... Uh, we're basically breaking the law right now in Germany. You're not oh, really, a, yeah. you're not allowed to make any noise on a Sunday. You but can't like, make any noise on a Sunday. Listen, if someone complains, like, what do you what, want us to do? When someone complains, when someone complains about this noise, I'm just gonna like, okay, you want us to have stinky clothes? You want us to be stinky? I think they do. They want, they want everything to be dirty. Listen, <laughs> man, Oh Jesus Christ! It sounds like, it sounds like a, a Sibian, I guess. It does. 
Holla back to the Sibian. <laughs> We've used a time machine to move forward to a time <laughs> when the washing machine is no longer so loud. The beast is finally quelled. Fed. I guess it drinks the dirty clothes water. It does. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next one we got was, <laughs> I love this one so much. I asked my teacher about discharge in fifth class, so 11 years old, and she sent me home. <laughs> I mean... It's like joking aside, that is so depressing. It's so fucked up. It's not even a sexual thing, right? No. It's like I asked the teacher about my body and the teacher was so uncomfortable, they forced me out of the class. Yeah, I mean, like maybe it was the fact that she was so brave to even ask a question. Oh yeah, cheek. Yeah, the cheek. It's like, oh no, oh, people don't normally ask the question. So if they are, they must be trying to, you know take the piss well that's the thing in, in i mean in cultures that are very sexually repressive like ireland used to be and it's kind of changing but um showing curiosity or showing independence is seen as defiance and defiance is disrespect and disrespect must be punished because you must fit into your little role mm-hmm. hence the magdalene laundries and the industrial schools not to go too far but this kind of attitude a child how dare you child asked a question like it's 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 a wicked way of seeing the world that they're so beneath you that even speak in that way you know it's just ugh it's flashbacks to when I was a kid you know and yeah. like my, I remember one time um, I told my grandfather that uh, wrestling on the TV wasn't real because it, it it isn't and he punched me in the face because it mean, was disrespectful to question him that's awful <laughs> that's pretty bad I mean look by and large I'm not saying I had a you know a child good covered in blood and bruises but you know yeah the, back then you just didn't question your elders and you know what I hate to say it but there's not a lot of old people that I respect they certainly haven't earned it mm-hmm. so sorry about you it's just so crazy it's like it's not as if she asked the I'm assuming a nun it's a nun in my head but it's probably just like some a fucking albity sister Quincilla yeah she wasn't like here miss do you have discharge coming out of your fanny <laughs> are you leaking all over that chair are you miss yeah. <laughs> that's the only situation I can imagine you maybe deserve getting sent home for God, I just actually just remember something that happened when I was in secondary school which is the opposite of this where a teacher was incredibly genuinely disrespect real disrespect we had a quite a cute art teacher um when i was in secondary school yeah she was super hot and she was very smart and she lent me go to leisure back which is this like super um super brain book that i never finished anyway um (laughs) so so she's she was really cute and i think i must have been in like second year and a bunch of older kids like i think two two guys two older guys from like fourth or fifth year came to the door of the classroom to flirt with her during class but they were being quite intimidating and she told them to go and they wouldn't oh fuck. yeah it was really weird it was proper harassment and i can't remember exactly what they said but they were kind of making comments to her kind of sleazy and just kind of being very like creepy and, and threatening and and eventually like i don't know she sent someone for the headmaster or something but it, that yeah it just sticks out as like first of all what actual disrespect looks like and just a really sketch moment of creepiness and school. Oh, that is awful like just seeing your teacher who's supposed to be this powerful like figure that's able to like you know control well she was a soft art teacher and we were secondary school students and we weren't we weren't looking to be controlled but it was it was more like i just felt really upset for her and mm-hmm. just kind of gross like she was really nice yeah and and there were a lot of teachers in that school who were mean as hell but she wasn't. And, and to see people take advantage of that and yeah. be creepy to her was just so uncool. Oh man, that is nasty. On to some more uh, naughty school children. Um, <laughs> we have this one, which was, we got so rowdy, the instructor walked out on us and a hape of us got suspended. So uh, for our non-Irish listeners, how would you define a hape, Nicole? A hape, I imagine like a big bale of hay. <laughs> what did you have for Christmas? I got a hay hay. It was delicious. Yeah, like you know, larger than a wheelbarrow's worth of hay. Like it's just, it's a hape. I don't know how to. Do it. Once you know, you know. If you know, you know. Exactly. You know. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, no, bless him. I, look, I, I feel bad for the instructor. I know exactly this dynamic. Um, another little anecdote down uh, sidetrack lane. Uh, we had a teach. This has really happened. People don't believe me when I tell this story, but I promise it's true. A cop came into the school to show us about drugs. And he had with him, he had uh, an ecstasy pill and a block of hash. And they went around the class and the ecstasy pill, I think, came back, but the hash disappeared. Oh, no. no one's leaving this room until that hash is found, you know. And of course, it was never found. Somebody had it up their arse or something. Gone. Oh, no. This is the same school. I think we were about 14 at that stage. Oh, yeah. Absolutely just plastic. No. Pa- pa- can you imagine that? That's like if they're, okay, gun safety kids. I mean, do you remember that video? They're doing a gun safety demonstration and the, the instructor hands the kid a gun and gets shot in the foot. Some like famous YouTube video. But it's the same thing. You dumbass, you know, use a fake bit of hash. Especially in the 90s. The 90s were hash, like hashtastic it's very strange you couldn't get weed in Ireland at all you could get hash everywhere which is much stronger but we thought we were being deprived we were like oh if only we could get weed we'd have the real yeah I have it in my head the hash is like a cheap version of well, weed it was bad I mean we used to joke that there were old people's drugs crushed up into it because right. you find bits of plastic and stuff in it but I think it's probably from how they mashed it up but um, yeah it was it was I don't know what was in it, but it was hella strong. Yeah, like when I was a kid, and even still, if I talked to my parents, if they were like warning me about drugs or something, you know, they'd they'd speak in hushed tones like smoking hash. You know, it was always hash. It was never weed or marijuana. They always, they just always say hash. But I think my parents were so, there was such a generation gap that they wouldn't have known what hash was. I mean, my mom would know now, you know, because it's in the media and stuff. But when I was a kid, she wouldn't have known. It was just drugs. They would have been like, she, I think she imagined there were th- there was three drugs the powder drug the, the the drug you inject and the drug you smoke and they're all they all had the same effect you just took them different ways yeah maybe you died faster from the needle one or something <laughs> i want to show your mom like requiem for a dream and just watch her face melt off <laughs> or how, how appropriate i think that doesn't that literally happen to someone in requiem for a dream i feel like the old woman basically melts oh. By the end of it. I don't like to think about that movie. It's too upsetting. <laughs> really a great movie to be watched once while very calm and emotionally stable and never again. Didn't you watch that on a date with someone and the uh, and the girl that you brought on the date with? She cried. <laughs> I watched it on DVD, I guess, with my first girlfriend in her, in her um, parents' house um, when they were away, as they so often were. And uh, yeah, she cried. We, I think actually we both cried. We just held each other. It's the most devastatingly upsetting movie to watch as a couple because it's, you know, if you haven't seen the movie, no spoilers, but a couple go down the drug road and it turns out basically as bad as it possibly could in this in this universe without actually being dead and going to hell. And yeah, and it, it made us very, very sad. And on that note, would you like to read out the, um, the last one? Oh, the very last one. Catholic school, very shame-based, save for one kind grade A teacher. Artie Callahan. I did it in an Irish voice, but Artie Callahan is clearly an Irish American name. No one in Ireland is called Artie. Yeah, I and no one in Ireland is Artie. I I feel like this warm like character, even coming just from the name. Rosy cheeks. Yeah, maybe Artie he has a bow. Callahan. He's got a bow tie. He's a bit rotund. Yeah, bald patch, but it always has a smile for the kids. Mm-hmm. Passing Johnny's under the tables. Here you go, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Don't use them all in one shop. <laughs> If I was a teacher in a very Catholic school, which would never happen, they wouldn't let me in the door. I'd burst into flames. Um, <laughs> I think I would be. I'd be doing that. I'd be. I'd be passing the Johnnies under the table. I feel like the, passing them under the table is a little bit too suggestive, especially as a lady teacher. It's kind of like meet you later in the locker room. But in my head, I was imagining girls because I went to Catholic girls' school. <laughs> makes sense. Makes more sense. Yeah. Meet you later in the locker room, girls. You can use those Johnnies on your hands. <laughs> You so know. it's only fair for us having, um, you know, made light of these tremendously uh, dramatic uh, sexual educational experiences to discuss our own. Would you like to begin, Nicole? What was your what was your sex education like? I had a pretty good sex education. Um, I, it started when I was, I think I was 11. So it, same as um, the, the just charge question. It was fifth class. So when you're 11. Um, and it was it was actually all right. And I remember like we kind of divided the lesson. We had some someone come in to the school, so it's not your teacher. So you feel like they're kind of cooler, you know. It's not oh miss, you know. Uh, it's like this cool woman kind of 
rolls in with her diagrams she of had the room. shades she was on a skateboard yeah exactly she's pooch from the simpsons <laughs> um, so um yeah we just kind of talked uh, about anatomy really i remember there was a lot of discussion so the, the day was kind of divided up between like what happens to the boy during puberty what happens to the girl during puberty uh there was a lot of talk of wet dreams for some reason <laughs> that's what i remember <laughs> a lot of discussion for something that um we would never dis- experience um and we did a thing i remember being fairly positive and we did like an anonymous kind of like question in a hat sort of thing, um, which was quite good. And she she read out her question so we didn't feel like, you know, ashamed um, Though there was one girl in my class that um, she she was concerned about wearing tampons and if it would be uh, visible through. She uh, did ballet. She was worried that it would be visible like through like her tights. Um, but there was only one girl in our class who did ballet. So we knew exactly oh, who it was. Yeah. Her. Um, and then it got a little bit more hardcore. Like we didn't go into the, I mean, obviously people talk about now, like, oh, there is no sex education when it comes to, uh, you know, same sex stuff. And there's no real discussion of like orgasm only in relation to, oh, the boy at night might, you know, have a, a nocturnal emission, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, so obviously we were missing that completely. Um, but when I moved to, uh, to secondary school then, like just radio silence for years until I did um, a optional year, which is fourth year when you're like 15. And we had this hardcore like um, like training program to like make sure that we don't have a teenage pregnancy. So they brought in all these mothers, um, these, these young girls from our kind of local area, basically who had gotten pregnant, uh, accidentally when they were teenagers and they were just telling all different stories. And I thought it was pretty good. Cause they were like stories like, Oh, I was on the pill, but I kept forgetting to take them. So I take like seven all at once thinking that would be okay. Um, and it wasn't. Um, and they gave us a booklet that was like all the different kind of like STDs and what it looks like on the on your genitals. So there was like genital warts and herpes, <laughs> that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. But um, one thing that wasn't discussed with us still was like pleasure and um, and HIV which I think is a big generational uh, difference, I think, between you and I. Like, I, I was never, never taught against, you know, about, like, HIV, what it means. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like you grew up in the kind of, like, kids' uh, generation where everyone was kind of, like, scared of getting AIDS. Um, yeah, they should have shown us that film. That would have made me fucking terrified. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, we, we literally had a couple of AIDS patients come into the school, I remember. I mean, I say AIDS patients. They weren't, you know, on a trolley. People, people who were living with AIDS um, came and, and at the time, I think they were former junkies, actually, uh, heroin addicts. So the kind of intravenous drug, drug users who would have caught it that way. But they, you know, they were sort of very much speaking of the horrors of, of you don't want that. You don't want this, kids. It's a life sentence, you know. And in, in the 90s, it was, you know, you, you, you could, there were the early antiretrovirals, but people could still die on them. And it was a case of taking literally, you know, six, eight tablets that had lots of really strong side effects and there was yeah. huge social stigma. Um, but, you know, I, I'm thinking back on it, you know, and I often joke about how my mum, when I was like 16, 17, kind of handed me a booklet and it was like too little, too late. But actually, the, we did actually get quite a bit of sex education. As you say, it didn't have anything about, you know, queer or gay. I mean, homosexuality was, had if it had been legalized, it was that year. It was legalized like mid 90s in Ireland. Maybe maybe it was early 90s, but either way, it was certainly not something they were teaching kids about. Um, but and, and nothing about pleasure, as you say. Um, but we did get a lot of um, biology stuff. Um, even when we were quite young, I remember we got some stuff um, in senior primary school and then even maybe junior primary school and then some more in secondary school. Um, but I do remember vividly this the story I always go to, which is the video that they showed us. So it, it, if you Google um, sex education video and dangerous minds, the blog Dangerous Minds a few years ago dug this up and I had this amazing flashback because they found this ludicrous sex education video. I think it's from like 1976 or 78. Mm-hmm. And they're talking in the, in the blog post about how it was outdated even then. It's like ridiculous for the time. I watched that in like 92 or something in school and uh, I guess it was primary school so it must have been like 91 like senior senior primary school and um, 
dating myself very specifically there. Anyway, so I remember they came in, they put on the tape and it was kind of like, watch this. We don't want to talk about it. And it was this very, very old fashioned video about this little boy. And he's got all these questions and he's going around asking different people. You know, he asked the zookeeper about penises and the zookeeper is like, oh, penises come in all shapes and sizes, little Timmy. And, you know, he's very kind of creepily got his arm around him. There's this kind of insidious scene with this, this lecherous zookeeper who's talking about animal penises. But it's all very kind of sweet and, and, and 70s positive American progressivism thing. Yeah. And then there's a bit in the video where it goes into an animation and uh, he's asking I think his friends catch him in the toilet with a sex education book they think he's jerking off yeah. and they're all like what are you doing in there what are you doing there and they kind of hop up and they're like he's got a book oh my god and he's you know he's reading about the body and stuff and uh, and they play this bit and then in the in the video it goes to an animation and it shows someone going into a toilet and coming out and it's a, and with a smile and it says some people masturbate and that's okay and someone else is just I guess they don't go into the bathroom I don't know and other people don't and that's okay too and this is obviously hilarious because like basically everybody masturbates but it was yeah it was this kind of positive message but then what happened and this is really true and <laughs> so they they paused the video and a priest came in was from nowhere as though as though summoned <laughs> to tell us that no no masturbation is a mortal sin which means it's unforgivable even if you go and repent it you will still go to hell and uh, and yet so ignored that bit of the video and we only showed you this as a warning i can't remember how they put it but it was very i don't know why they included that why did they even include it they well, didn't have to bring the traveling priestman like you know to wait <laughs> in the wings of the hallways <laughs> to come in <laughs> to come in at the exact same moment with this flying cape children don't touch yourselves you'll go to hell you will burn i reckon he disliked to the theatrics yeah. of it all but the weirdest part is i mean there was no explanation of what masturbation was like, for all we knew, it meant going into a bathroom. That was masturbation. Yeah. Coming out with a smile on your face. You've done it now. And um, so with this thing that we weren't told what it was or how to do it, that was a mortal sin. And it was very, very odd because, at the, you know, I remember even that, that the parents had to have a conference about the fact that we were going to see this video and they'd all agreed to it and stuff. But clearly, that, that was a step too far. So sex... The, the education that we got, it wasn't as direct as you. They weren't like, you know, don't have babies. Because we were, it was, um, I went to a single sex primary school and it was a mixed secondary school. I, actually, in the secondary school, they divided up the girls and the guys for sex ed. So the guys went and learned about nocturnal emissions and the girls went off and learned weird body stuff about girls' bodies we were never told about. No. Nothing. And actually, I remember as a smaller kid, like seven, eight, I guess, um, not knowing what a period was. And my, um, my cousin... Her name is um, my, my cousin, my older cousin, she's about four years older than me. Um, she was talking about the Stephen King novel, Tommyknockers. Actually, I think she was reading us out bits of it because she was reading this dirty book. So all my cousins were gathered in a, in the, in a garden, front garden of, of one of them. This seems a bit weird. Yeah, it You're was. all reading a dirty book together? You know, she was reading it to us. She was like, look at this, look at this. And there's a bit in it which was like, um, it's like it's early in the book and it's something like... Uh, this wasn't a period, it was a fucking waterfall, you know, and, and I was like, what's a period? Oh. And then she's like, you don't know what a period is, and I was like, I probably know a different name for it. <laughs> oh, that's a good, that's yeah, a good response. It's a good comeback. So yeah. The same was when I asked about Santa Claus, I, I know he's not real. Totally thought he was real. Oh. My grandmother, well, don't tell your brother and sister. Like, no! <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, yeah, so, so it was very much, and, but then the other part of my sex education that I always think about, uh, which is quite unsettling, is that so much of it came from the schoolyard, which is true for everybody, I'm sure. But like, obviously, I was a kid before YouTube and before before anybody. I mean, when I was a, a young kid, the, the web didn't exist even, but certainly you didn't have the internet in your house or anything. And so there was no, it was the education that I would have got, the real education, wasn't some fuddy-duddy book or, or video that got paused. It was staying up late at night and watching Channel 4, which was the kind of edgy TV channel in, in the UK, mm-hmm. where they would show like X-rated movies, like The Blue Lagoon. Mm-hmm. So it was shit like that. And then you'd go to the schoolyard and you'd be talking about all this pervy shit you'd seen. And obviously a lot of salacious movies from that era and, and, and earlier are like, they're deviant. And so we would talk about this stuff in the schoolyard and we would talk about all this demented shit, like really pervy BDSM-y shit at at like six and seven because we weren't getting any other... And people, there's a, I find it funny because there's a moral panic about kids watching porn. And we didn't have access to porn. We didn't even have, you know, the whole found a porn mag in the woods. Never happened. No one brought a porn mags into school. But we did find a way to see this stuff. And because there was no nothing else, 
all that we got from it was the darkest version of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's nothing new about that. There's nothing new about kids seeing pervy shit and being interested in it because it's really strange and, and odd and forbidden. Um, it's, not a, it's not an internet thing. Yeah. It's funny how you piece things together when you're when you're younger and you haven't been. I mean, I knew the mechanics of how babies were made, but like everything else, like I was kind of piecing together from various. I mean, I had a I had a TV in my bedroom. When you I was, spoiled little brat. I know, I know. <laughs> in fairness, it was like some kind of third hand like l thing that, that, that you're describing our our only tv in our house okay, okay but this was like you know 2005 or something fair fair um and uh the channel it used to have mtv on it so like you'd see all sorts of like weird stuff like they'd have like you know different like adult swim like cartoons and and that kind of stuff or yeah and that's where you got uh, you got some of your sex ed, I guess, too. I yeah, I got some of uh, my sex ed. You know what's coming to mind uh, right now as well. Um, it's so funny the kind of like uh, the the clashing of like the innocent stuff that you're picking up on, and also like um, like a really extreme shit. Like I remember there was a man that used to uh, knock door to door in my um, like estate. And he used to sell these pirated uh, movies. Like, you know, someone would go to the local cinema with a camcorder and fucking record the movie. But this man, and he used to record them. Was it locally? Was the piracy done locally? I don't know. You'd hear people going, get out of my way. I'm trying to film the movie. You could literally see people standing up and like, uh, you know, walking out of films. Um, Crazy shit. But he also used to sell porn. And I I remember um, one day... He, it was just me and my mom, and we lived in this little bungalow, and he knocked on the door, and I was like, like poking my head out, like to the hall, like from my bedroom, like I could see my mom at the door with this man, and he was just like trying to, he was like, oh, here's some DVDs for you, and my mom, you know, she's very passive, and she can't say no to anyone, so like this man was like, oh yeah, yeah, I have these movies here as well. You'd have a good night. You'd have a good night. And he forced these DVDs on her, and you know she had to. She gave him some money for them, and suddenly she had porn. <laughs> and because our, my mom and I had a very close relationship, even though I was a kid, she'd tell me anything. Um, so she was just like, oh my god, he's after like selling porn to me. <laughs> yeah, and I think she she had a boyfriend at the time, and she told me that she gave it to him. And I was only probably about eight or something, but I was aware that there was these dirty movies and I knew what porn was. Well, that brings up a great um, a great uh, topic, which is like when you first saw porn. Because I remember, I remember when I first got the internet, like, and that was really early. Like, so I, I had a nerdy friend that I made at like a summer camp for, for nerds. Mm-hmm. And he came over to my house around about 1995 and set up the internet. Now, this is like literally... Um, I had a DOS computer. You had to type commands to connect to the internet with the, not just a modem, but like literally like just words on a screen, typing in commands, all this weird arcane shit. And then it connected to the internet. And of course, the first thing we did, he came over, um, I think he lived in Ennis and he came over and for the weekend and we just spent the weekend downloading porn, basically just mm-hmm. endless porn. But I don't remember the first time I saw porn. Do you remember your earliest porn um, I, I, I did, and I've, I said this in the episode with Constantine, um, that someone uh, Bluetooth sent me yeah. a porn video when I was like 11. That's fucked up. It's really fucked up, and um, this is a deep cut. It was, I remember exactly the porn uh, actress in it. It was um, this woman uh, called Dolly, and the reason why this video was going around at the time, because she was on an episode, she was on the latest uh, series of Celebrity Big Brother, so no that's why this video was going around. They were like, oh, it's your woman off uh, Celebrity Big Brother. And, you know, it was it, that show was massive at the time. Um, and as an, as an 11-year-old, like, what's your reaction to that? Because, like I say, I, I didn't see porn until 90... Well, no, I, I don't remember what porn I would have seen, but it would have been just... I think it would have been just snippets of movies. Yeah. So the first porn porn, like Triple X specifically, this is porn, would have been like when I was 15. Mm-hmm. So, But you're much younger, so how did you react? Um... It wasn't surprising to me. I knew the mechanics of uh, of things, so I guess I was a little bit like um, a little bit shocked that like just from oh I'm actually seeing real sex happening. Um, but other than that, it wasn't. I don't feel like it was like a big thing to me. It felt very deviant that I had this on my phone. Mm-hmm. 
um and I lived in fear that like you know my mom would like find it or something like that and it felt very um you know under wraps and scary but also kind of exciting at the same time um but even then like I didn't um you know I I was at the age where like things I could find things attractive um but this woman she had the classic like porny look um so she had the like you know <laughs> the like stapled on like big roundy bouncy ball boobs <laughs> and she looked like this kind of plasticky kind of thing um I always wondered how they did it I didn't realize it was staples <laughs> yeah yeah industry they just come secret. along to a, to a flat-chested woman bouncy ball bouncy ball, bouncy boobs. ball boobs yeah so um didn't do much for me then didn't do doesn't do anything for me now yeah me neither i never got that even though like you know i would like i say the first porn i saw was in the 90s even then i think it was probably more towards the gonzo end that had already started and this idea of these kind of bronzed like muscular greased uh blonde surgeried creatures has never been appealing to me Mm -hmm. even though i'm sitting across from one right now (laughs) (laughs) but it just i don't get it like it i have a friend uh uh, and he's he likes that kind of porn and i know because my other friend used to live with him and (laughs) hello i know you're listening and uh yeah and and he might the friend who lived with him described his his our mutual friends porn preferences as other women (laughs) Other women. <laughs> Utterly delightful. Utterly delightful. Yeah, it, you know, that makes me think of um, your your story about the, getting the stuff on the phone and the secrecy and the shame. Like, those first attempts, and, and if there's anyone that I'm related to, even distantly listening, this you really want to turn off right now, okay? Have you stopped? Okay. So my first attempts at masturbation, you know, and, and I think I mentioned it to you before. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but I was jerking off before I could physically like emit. Yeah. And, uh, and so obviously we had talked about it loads in school and how sex was the best thing ever. And it was amazing, but I couldn't, I didn't actually like come at least while awake, you know, mm-hmm. until I was like 14 super late oh, that's quite late yeah. yeah but i would try you know and I, would, I would i remember the the i would sneak down like either the family would be away somewhere or more often it was really late at night and i'd be you know the volume on the the first bar on the uh, of volume on the tv yeah. watching some like euro trash or some late night dirty movie the babe station no babe station i mean we didn't have sky my family were pobs like we didn't Babe Station just on Sky. Yeah, yeah, it's not on terrestrial TV. Yeah, uh, yeah. I watch Babe Station from time to time. I was like, Whoa. oh, the Whoa. babes, the um, babes. They have their own station. Attack of the babes. <laughs> well, for for anyone who's not from the UK or Ireland, what what is Babe Station? Babe Station is is basically like um, a peep show, but like on TV. So it's like a girl that's in her lingerie. Depending on the time of the day, she may uh, have uh, like her bra off. But I, maybe I'm just making that up wishful thinking um and basically she just she's on a set and she's just kind of like rolling around on a mattress with a phone and she's like shaking the phone at the camera you know to be like oh call in and if you call in then she's she's doing the the phone sex and the audio is cut out right so it's just like music um but you can hear her on the you can see her on the phone like you know uh doing her her phone sex and she might do motioning of the hand or of you know feigning like you know uh giving a blow job so it's all very it's all very sexy and it's well if you have sky it's like a free channel you can just watch this like mute um kind of peep show i think they show it what it's like after another channel has finished for the night that kind of thing yes yes um but yeah this is this is something that i always i find interesting right so so i think of benny hill right you know and, and end of pier um you know late late 19th century literal original peep shows you put a coin in and you you see like a th- 15 second loop of a, of a woman showing her bum or something mm-hmm. and it, there's i think there's something deeply fucked up about sex that's like sleazy you know and 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 that babe station thing is like the worst kind because it's so unsatisfying. Yeah. You're not really seeing anything and yet you're sort of, you know, you're, you're being titillated. It's, it's like the conversation we had with uh, with Petunia. Petunia. About, about um, strip clubs and how I don't really understand them because it's like getting you ready and then it not going anywhere. Yeah. And and it's kind of the same thing, you know, it's, um, yeah, but but I guess that when you're, when you're a kid, Ironically, kids are really the only people that could be turned on enough to. Yeah. So I remember I had this um, I had this videotape of this anime called uh, The Winds of Amnesia, and maybe mm-hmm. this is an explanation for my whole sexual orientation. I don't know, but there's a scene in that movie. 
it's a shitty anime but towards the end of it where like a girl is on the ground I think maybe being held down and her top is like ripped open and she's like no or whatever and I just watched that like enough that the tape got weird and had lines you know <laughs> I remember I had Mean Girls on DVD and you're thinking to yourself Mean, mean Girls, girls. Yeah. innocuous yeah well there's a scene where Regina um, Rachel McAdams character it's literally like 20 seconds where she's like rolling on the bed with her boyfriend and the and Amy Poehler the mother comes in she's like do you guys need any condoms or anything let me know but just that like two seconds of like the, the way the movie like uh, the way it cuts in with her rolling on the bed with her boyfriend about to have sex I watched that over and over again Aww. so quite quite a sweet moment almost and then the mom coming in it's very Irish isn't it you need that that's when you finish when the mom comes in yeah. oh the shame oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> god it's crazy and I guess you know maybe it's for another episode but um the, the whole when you start dating someone and their parents reaction to you and how you negotiate being in their house and staying over mm-hmm. there's so much weirdness around all that stuff and I'm definitely on the side of I don't have kids I know it's easy to talk when you don't have kids but I'm definitely on the side of like yeah like let them do it in your house not in an alley with a rando absolutely and know? one of the teen mothers that I remember uh, talking to us when I was 15 as part of my sex education and that's how she uh, lost her virginity. She lost it at the back of the cinema um, with some lad that she, you know, she didn't really care that much about. He just asked her, you know, like, oh, do you want to, you know. Go around the back of the cinema. Go around the back, yeah, do you want to have the, sex? Where the real movie is. <laughs> she was like, okay. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. I mean, but this is what happens. The problem is, right, the problem with a lot of conservatism isn't the sort of the morality of it. You can agree or disagree about morality. It's the consequences, right? And if you deny people sex education, well, they're, they're going to get it anyway, and they're going to get it uh, from the schoolyard, you know, or from pornography. And if you deny people drugs, they're going to buy street drugs, and they're going to, you know, get sh- shitty drugs, and, and, and maybe g- they're already committing a crime, so get in with criminals. Mm-hmm. And if you deny people um, who are sexual, unfortunately, hate to, hate to say it, guys, but teenagers are very sexual. If you deny them like a sort of healthy way to express and place to be have privacy for their sexuality, then guess what? You know, they're, they're going to be fingering people in a, in a nightclub or getting fucked around the back of the cinema. It's going to happen because we are, we are animals that are genetically programmed to reproduce and we are at our most fertile and our most randy at, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17. That shit is going to happen um, it's going to happen and if you prefer not to see it or to pretend it's not real you're going to make it a lot worse and so like I've always liked the idea I read something about Germany years ago and it's probably not even true I don't know where I got this because I haven't seen it here but that when when you got to like 15, 16, 17 that there were these places that kids could go and live together as a group like kind of like like a like a dorm but for like kids in school instead of students and I've always thought like that's so much healthier right let them develop and learn you know obviously with protection and help and supervision but outside of the family home because that's not a healthy dynamic to have your parents dictating how you develop sexually it's really not healthy they obviously they need to protect you and of course it's a balance but there's just so much potential for uh, abuse and for damage psychological damage from your parents being way too invasive and I know so many people who have these stories of like their parents were coming into their room going through their stuff I know what happened to me my mother would go through my things looking for things I shouldn't have you know drug paraphernalia whatever else mm-hmm. luckily too technically illiterate to sort of find the porn on the computer which you know that's the other thing when you don't have your own computer it's going to be on the family computer but it, it's, yeah, it, it messes you up it really does mm-hmm. so like yeah you grew up with your mum looking after you that must have been different to what I experienced sort of with a two-parent home. Obviously, my parents were very Catholic mm-hmm. in terms of permissibility or in dating and having people over and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's a little bit tricky because I there wasn't a lot of space, even if I wanted to kind of like bring people over or whatever. But like when I was uh, starting to date in my teens, um, you know, I, I only dated girls in my teens. So it was very easy to have someone over being like, oh, this is my friend, you know, is it okay she stays tonight? You know, that kind of thing. So it was grand. It was really fine. And then when it was revealed that I actually was dating, you know, the girl that had stayed over a few times. How was it revealed? I, how I kind of came out to my mom was, 
well I decided with my girlfriend we both were like closeted or whatever well I told my friends that I was bisexual about a year or two previous um but how I told my parents and then the world was <laughs> made an announcement on TMZ we we just decided that we were both gonna tell our parents at the same time um so like we were texting and then I was like okay I'm gonna go tell my mom and she was like okay I'll tell my my parents or whatever so I went down to my mom and I just started bawling crying I was like I have to tell you something my mom thought I was dying or pregnant or something I was like ah I am dating someone and how it actually came to be was that my mom knew I was dating someone because of course this was the era of making a Facebook official and I couldn't wait to have a Facebook official relationship I could not wait so of course made a Facebook official didn't say who it was uh, just that Nicole O'Connor is in a relationship um, and my cousin told my mom she was like oh little snitch what a rat I know I know but she was probably trying to figure out like who's Nicole dating or or whatever so she she was like oh I see I see Nicole's you know got a boyfriend or something um, and my mom was like boyfriend what um, and my mom then was like pestering me for a few days and be like, Nicole, come on, tell me, tell me. Um, and then I wanted to tell her, I did. I, I, I was caught up in the excitement of being in my first relationship and wanting everyone to know. So I, I told her, I was like, okay, you know the way I'm dating someone. She was like, yes. And I was like, right, um, well, what if it um, wasn't a, 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 a boy? What if it's someone that I'm friends with? And she was like, is it Sinead? <laughs> Which, if anyone who knows me, um, <laughs> Sinead is one of my best friends. And, you know, we're very close, but it was not Sinead. So my mom kind of figured it out. Anyway, I, I said who it was and she was like, who's that? And then I was like, I just don't want you to think that I'm any different now. Please don't think differently of me. That was my that was my big problem. I just didn't want my mom to think of me as as something different, and unfortunately, I didn't want her to think of me as as she had expressed her fear to me previous. She didn't want me to become like a big butch lesbian. For some reason, she had this like thing yeah, in her head. This she, like phobia of like masculine masculinity in women, or yeah, she didn't want me with the buzz cut and the and the combat boots and the and the and the big baggy trousers and the wife beater. Um, for some reason, she even though she she didn't know that I was uh, bisexual or anything like that, she used to say, Nicole, if you ended up with a girl I'd be delighted I'd I'd walk you both down the aisle I would I would but just please Nicole just don't date a big butch lesbian that's what she said uh, that's I mean that's something people don't talk about enough I guess is the um the prejudice against like effeminate gay men and butch women you know and it's kind of it's obviously a kind of homophobia but it's not a, it's not it's a it's a lot easier I feel like to be accepted if you are if you're don't deviate in your gender expression yeah uh but you're gay if you're like a, a guy i'm just a regular i'm a man's man i just like men or you know you're a lesbian but you're cute a cute cute girl then if you're you know you, you do the opposite of those things you take those traditionally opposite sex roles yeah and like um my mom is a, is a girly girl and she's always loved the fact that i'm also a girly girl you know she used to do my hair up in little pigtails and and little you know slides with like butterflies and headbands and dress me in in frilly dresses and she's always loved that she loves having a little girl um so i guess the idea of me not being feminine is just like horrifying to her she doesn't want that um now she's lucky that i i am feminine but she just have to fucking get used to it obviously if, <laughs> if i if i wasn't um but yeah i so so you were you said your friend your friend your girlfriend at the time was already staying over so presumably your mom was like never again no no whoa no that's not it she to be honest no one knew how to act no one knew what the fuck to do they didn't know what the next moves were and they it, it was all well and good for them to be like um oh you know just because it's a girl we're not going to treat this relationship any differently you know if it was a boy she wouldn't be coming over either but in the end it was different in, in their behavior she was allowed to come over from time to time um and, and then to be fair to your mom your mom like it that's not just a sort of a 
discounting of the reality of your relationship it's also she couldn't make you pregnant and that is a big part of you know what yeah. parents fear with their teenage girl or or that they're going to shag some guy who's just shagged 50 other girls and going to get some horrible disease i mean it's it, lesbian sex uh, also something people don't talk about much less incidents of, of stis because both because women are less promiscuous than men certainly gay women anyway and and also because the things you're doing are less likely to give you you know you're not getting a bunch of cum in your ass which is you know uh, mm-hmm. the most effective transmission route after intravenous drug use for, for getting HIV. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so for, I think a lot of it also was kind of a mental block as well. My family didn't want to think about what I could have possibly been getting up to with my girlfriend. Um, so I don't think their minds went there. And as a consequence, because she wasn't some fella strolling in, being like, what's up? I'm going to go fuck your daughter. You know, it was like this lovely, you know, girl who, who had long hair. And, you know, we were both in school together and we were really good friends as well. That um, it was a loud slide. Now, uh, when I was staying over in my girlfriend's house, it was a little bit differently. It, it was a little bit different because her family was more religious. But at the same time, it never got in the way of me being able to stay over. Maybe once or twice, you know, because we stayed over in each other's places like every weekend like once or twice like her parents were like can we have you to ourselves this weekend and at the time we were both like oh that's ridiculous I hate this but I'm like they just wanted to hang out with their daughter which is totally understandable I didn't want this random girl who's just suddenly in their daughter's life 24 7 um you know to be in their weekend for the fucking seven time in a row yeah and you know it's funny I had um obviously a very different experience because being a guy um but but the funny thing is that my first girlfriend um who um who I started dating when I was I think I was 18 and she was 17 um so obviously when I brought her home my mum who is as I've mentioned many times very very religious um in the most mortifying moment of my life took her aside and she'd been to the house before but you know brought her home to stay or whatever took her aside and was like you can stay in his sister's room and the sister my sister will stay on the couch or, or something like that or she'll stay in my room with me and like I remember having this incre- and then I had a huge argument with her how dare you talk to her like that you know just feeling really invaded because it, I understand her per, per her perspective it's against her beliefs and stuff but I also think that, that that conversation is deeply inappropriate imagine if somebody now you know were to have the conversation with you about how how and where you can sleep or, or, or with me if your mother was like now you know under my roof like it, it's just too much it's too invasive and and but weirdly enough and this is something I've never understood when I went to her house um her parents were incredibly accepting mm-hmm. and maybe it's because I'm not how are you? I'm going to ride your girlfriend. You know, I'm quite a soft little boy or whatever. And, <laughs> but, I, you know, so the, what, the way we started staying over is, I think they obviously knew straight away that we were dating. Mm-hmm. And I would like miss my bus. I think maybe. Uh, so classic. We, yeah, we live quite, quite far apart, like two counties away. So I would like miss my bus kind of, maybe kind of half accidentally and then definitely not accidentally. And I would stay on the couch. And of course, you know, we would sneak around. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. In, hence losing my virginity in their living room but uh, that's a whole other story but um but then gradually I started you know just kind of just staying in her room and I remember there was one that we would in the morning I would sneak downstairs early and stuff and then what happened was one one morning like really early her mom I think it was maybe it was the dad I think it was the mom just came in the room oh no but we were both naked and the sheets were off and I was facing the door no and and we stayed in that room all day yeah didn't come down i was like not terrified i was just horrified i felt such shame such shame and then we came down and they just played it off like nothing ever happened of course yeah but this is the thing um and a similar thing happened to me only with my with my nana my nana walked in um <gasps> no when, no no nana yeah, my lovely know, nana my, my lovely nana my my nana she's like a like a julie andrews of julie andrews was four foot eleven you know she's like this little thing <laughs> and i love her so much and she's it's everyone who meets her it's like oh your nana's so cute um and she one day she walked in on uh, me and my girlfriend uh, having sex now luckily fucking luckily we both were under the covers and we both were (laughs) um we both were lying side by side with each other um 
so I heard um, the door kind of open and so she didn't see anything you know what we did we just put the covers over our heads no. <laughs> and my nana my nana raised seven children she'd been through this before in that house like you know my my auntie Denise stayed in it had my bedroom before I came around uh you know she had that for years she had boyfriends and all sorts of stuff my nana th- that was not her first time at the rodeo she she knew what was up and she just immediately instinctively just closed the door over again not a single word and she never said anything to me and I ran off to my girlfriend's uh, house for the weekend I wasn't seen for three days because I was so mortified <laughs> but they know they yeah, have of course no they one do. wants to talk about it no, no and, and that's it. fine I mean I think that's a good healthy response you know you, when I say you should accept and give them space I don't mean you should sit the, the, the op, there are two there are two I think again ill-informed parenting but it's maybe it's easier to know the right thing when you're not in the situation Mm -hmm. there are two equally bad um responses one is to just be like not under my get out of my house you're you're a whore whatever version of that and the other is oh let's all have the talk now you bring him over you bring her over we sit down together we'll talk about what protection are you using like both of those are too invasive you know people an important part of growing up is developing boundaries right if you can't have good boundaries with your parents which is not to say that they don't know anything about your life, but that you have your own space to be yourself, especially around sexuality. How the hell are you going to have boundaries with, with partners? Which is so important for your safety, emotional safety and physical safety, to be able to break up with someone, to be able to say, I don't want to do this thing, to be able to say, I do want to do this thing, and this is who I am. All that stuff is, is boundaries. And, and my parents had none. You know, and, uh, but, but, but healthy boundaries, I think, involve a little bit of accepting that we 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 will pretend that nothing is happening in the room when i think about the the amount of sex that happened in my first girlfriend's bedroom <laughs> the room which which i remember vividly i mean we dated for a long time and jesus christ we would go we would rock up there on a friday afternoon and 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 we would be in the bedroom till monday like you know oh. just endless banging just endless i always think of your poor first girlfriend's vagina <laughs> must have been ridden raw ridden raw this a bit in uh, in rob roy when um when some chambermaid has just slept with the king and his his uh, i think brian cox maybe plays his right hand man and as she's slipping out the door he says uh, oh come on after me after uh, after the king you'll barely feel me slip it in oh, <laughs> disgusting <laughs> no um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we did. She actually had to go to the doctor at one point because she was getting like such kind of friction damage, I guess. Oh, God, that's like in uh, in Nymphomaniac uh, Part 2, Volume 2, where the Nymphomaniac character p- played by Charlotte Gainsborough, um, she has been riding several guys a day for several years and she now has sores. Inner, okay, well, we don't need to go into sores. There were no sores were involved. There was no sores. No, no, this is something that, yeah, I, I've heard this story before from other people. Some fella who actually I'd hooked up with before, um, um, the next time I saw him or like whatever, uh, he told me that his current girlfriend had to go to the doctors because um, uh, she thought there was something wrong with her. The doctor was just like, you're just having too much rough sex. What a, what a humble brag. <laughs> what a humble brag. I was like, cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's great uh thanks for telling me that <laughs> just nice. like i told everyone right now but <laughs> but i mean like, obviously i was i was like 18 19 i think we were 19 i think i was 19 by the by the time we had sex mm-hmm. um or very almost 19 and and i i felt like i had like at least five years of pent-up frustration to work out <laughs> <laughs> awful and do you ever think about like the fact that your parents or her parents definitely heard you's ride well that's the thing i've been thinking about this whole time i mean they were so cool about it um and 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 i can only imagine they must have heard us and and obviously like as you say it's just yeah they got to know me but initially they didn't know me so well Mm -hmm. and and i you know at the time i was dressed in kind of military fatigues and i had long hair and uh, i was like a proper messy kind of hippie john lennon-ish looking kid yeah I don't know if that's worse than having some rough lad ride your daughter, but it's certainly not. Um, what it's not like Barry the accountant or whatever. It's <laughs> not ideal. No. Yeah. So so they were incredibly cool, and they would feed us and get us takeaways the whole time. They're mm-hmm. super super lovely. And actually, I have to say that when that relationship finally ended, it was very, very very toxic and tumultuous relationship, and it really really finally ended for good. I missed her family more than her. Yeah. Because they were so nice, and they were the fam- kind of felt like. 
you know, I've been talking about the sex part, but the acceptance and the, the care and the kindness that they showed me was really stuff that I hadn't gotten from my family back then, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it, it, she had a really sweet little sister that was almost like a little sister to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I just felt so sad that I would never know them again and indeed never did. And, and you know, it's something about relationships when you, when you break up with a person, if you've dated them for a long time, you know, maybe in our case, not so much because we don't spend a huge amount of time with each other's parents. No. But we do spend time, you spend a lot of time with my nephews and stuff. So if we ever broke up, you know, you wouldn't have, especially if we're, let's say we're together for another five years, mm-hmm. which would make it, you know, 10, 10 years. 10 years long. But at that point, you would have had like a really, like you would have known my nephews their whole lives. Yeah, I'm and Auntie Nicole. Yeah, they, you're Auntie Nicole. I'm Auntie Nicole. Yeah. And I'm, a, I'm an only child. So it means a lot to me that I get to be an auntie. And it means a lot to me to be an, an uncle because I never... I'm never going to have kids, never wanted kids, but I love kids. I just don't have the capacity for the responsibility that it would involve. Yeah. And like I grew up, um, like basically all of my aunties um, were married or in the relationship that they eventually, you know, uh, got married to their husbands. And I just know their husbands as my uncles. Mm -hmm. You know, they're all my uncles. Um, So that's just, I I hope to still be that that figure. And it, it's different lives. now as well because I mean, you know, you're you're um, as you mentioned, your grandmother had seven kids. And my mother is one of five, so I have you know twenty cousins or something, mm-hmm. and and you have probably a dozen cousins or whatever it is. But like for for my nephews, you know, you're their only auntie, you yeah. know, and and uh, and I'm their only uncle. Uh, in the case of uh, in the case of my brother's son, anyway, and and that's like. That's a special thing. I think it's different. It is different if you have a bunch of kids and a bunch of... And I also remember, I mean, or drifting away, I guess, from sex and relationships, but I, I had an uncle that I idolized. You know, he was younger than the rest of the family. He's much younger than my mother, um, like eight or 10 years younger. And he was cool and he, he was kind of a good looking guy. And he was into, he had like in his, in his, in my grandparents' house, in his old bedroom, there was like sci-fi magazines. And I remember he showed me... Um, when I was quite young, he took me to his work where he worked in like a computer place and he showed me um, Prince of Persia on the computer. Oh. It was so cool. <laughs> and you know, that thing where you're running and you're climbing the spikes and all that stuff. Yeah. And I was just like, I just thought he was the coolest. But then as I got older, he got quite distant. And I, I, I've always thought, I have no idea if this is the case or not, but I've always thought, because I am, as I've mentioned, <laughs> like I come off quite camp. Maybe less now than I did, but when I was younger, especially, I was very feminine looking, mm-hmm. and um, I had like you know quite a soft voice and stuff. And I'm I'm not I don't like sports, all of this stuff. So it all combined to basically, I'm pretty sure he would have thought that I was gay. Mm-hmm. And I think my head canon is that he got he distanced himself from me because he thought that I was gay and he couldn't handle that. And it was weird and whatever to him. Maybe it wasn't that. Maybe I was just annoying. I don't know. But it really hurt me because I had a, I have a pretty terrible father. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a good relationship with him. So having this, you know, male figure that I looked up to kind of move out of my life really fucked me up as, as, a, as a kid and, 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 and really hurt me a lot. So it means a lot to me to be there for as much as I can for my nephews. I mean, they're only little, little babies now. But, but have a good relationship with them and to be to answer their questions and to you know to be another to be a positive male figure in their lives because i didn't have any you know and i think i've i've looked for them you know unconsciously mm-hmm. we, we joke about it all the time but like a lot of my friends are older gay men <laughs> it's pretty hard to find a positive straight male role model who's old like positive as in not just like i'm a solid person that did my duty and raised my positive as in like emotionally open healthy funny chill like a cool person there's so few there's so few and I want to be that to some extent for my nephews, you know, to show that you can, you know, I, I hate that phrase toxic masculinity because it makes it sound like masculinity is toxic and it's fucking not. It's great. But there are certain kinds of masculinity and certain kinds of femininity that can be toxic. And, and it's really hard to, to, to get, like I said, those positive older role models. And, and as you age, you find, you know, John Lennon beat his wife and whatever, you know, you, mm-hmm. so even in celebrities, it's hard. But, but I want to be one. Not in the sense that I want to be rich and, and, and have a motorbike and stuff, but I, I want to just show them that you can be a man and be a, a good man and a kind man and, 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 and real and honest and emotionally available and all that shit, you know. So that has been our discussion on sex education. And I guess we got into our early sexual experiences too. Oh, so awkward. Oh my God. <laughs> I hope it was um, at least enjoyable and maybe even 
educational or edutainmentational. Um, uh, even if you disagreed with everything we said, you can at least take that disagreement and make it into an informed decision about how you teach your own kids or how you learn if you're a kid and you're listening jesus christ don't listen if you're a kid this isn't for you what are you doing well actually you know what you know i was i was there watching porn on my phone when i was 11 and i'm fine so yeah but you you know you still watch that porn every day you have that video you bluetooth <laughs> to yourself it's the only way i can get off <laughs> No, when I was a kid, I remember being like 12 and looking up, there was a website called The Clitoris, um, now gone, now defunct, um, but there was like pictures of like girls like menstruating and, and stuff and I, lo- and I, watched, I looked at those pictures and it, it did me well. And so. that, now that really is the only way you can get off. <laughs> <laughs> so I say, you know, okay kids, if you, if you think you can, can handle this Jesus. episode... <laughs> then yeah and um we should give out resources uh for uh for sex education so you know we don't have them to hand but maybe we'll link them in the episode notes on our website uh which you can find linked from our instagram so thank you for listening and uh yeah do send us in stories of your sex education send us in any uh and just any stories in general any questions in general for a future episode it's everybody wants to love pod at gmail.com or you can find our instagram at Love you, Pod. And remember, everybody wants to love you. Everybody wants to love you. I don't like that. Little baby voice. And you know, there is something very important that we need to do as soon as possible. What's that? Fuck. Well, I ask a psychopath, I get that kind of an answer.